Hello, this is Gregory Novak. This is The Cunning of Geist, episode 16. Welcome back. And just to point out, you can follow me on Twitter and on Facebook, both at Cunning of Geist. This episode, I will develop a very interesting notion regarding time. And it is that there are three nested levels of time, much like a Russian doll. And before we begin, I uh, would like to, again, reference Alexander Kojev. And we've talked a lot about him before. And he was a 20th century French philosopher. And he had an enormous influence on French philosophy, particularly bringing Hegelian concepts into continental philosophy. His most important lectures on Hegel were produced in a book called um, The Introduction to the Reading of Hegel, which was published in 1947. And what we're going to be focusing on here in this episode is that in this book, he claims Hegel made one big mistake, and that's regarding uh, the theory of time. And the way Kojiv puts it in the phenomenology of spirit, Hegel presents a historical view of time, if you will. However, in the Encyclopedia of the Philosophical Sciences, in the nature section, he talks about a natural time that, um, that exists. And Kojia felt this was a contradiction and an error. Uh, let's deal with the phenomenology first. Uh, Kojev believes that Hegel identified um, the concept that is human self-thinking thought with time itself. And we've talked about this before. Uh, again, the, he, he uses two famous quotes from the phenomenology. First is, um, as for time, which is it is to be presumed would constitute as the counterpart of space, the material of the other part of pure mathematics. It is the ex existent notion itself. This is from page 27, Miller translation. And the, the, um, the translation of the German word begriff, uh, Miller here translates, translates it as notion, but concept means the same thing. The second quote comes toward the end of the book. I quote, time is the notion itself that is there and which presents itself to consciousness as empty intuition. For this reason, spirit necessarily appears in time and it appears in time just so long it has not grasped its pure notion, i.e. is not an old time. Time, therefore, appears as the destiny and necessity of spirit that is not yet complete within itself. So as, as I've mentioned, um, Kojev believed that this uh, was a great discovery of Hegel's and put him on the Mount Rushmore of philosophers along with Plato, Aristotle, and Kant. He believed that time being the existing concept itself is the summation of the whole of Hegel's philosophy. However, he took issue with the fact that Hegel proposes a natural physical time in the um, encyclopedia. And Kojev believes Hegel went wrong here. He does not believe this natural time is a true time. He believes the true time is, is historical. The true time is the uh, history of human struggle in the world for recognition, for identity, and for freedom. And we discussed this extensively in episode 14 on freedom. So please refer to that episode for more details. But let's stick with time here. Did Hegel go wrong? Was he in error? Uh, did he propose two conflicting times, if you will, one physical and one historical? Before we get into that, let's explore Kojo's understanding of time a bit more because it's quite interesting. He sees basically three levels of time. The first is historical time, which is what we human beings experience. 
The second is biological time, which we human beings experience, but also all life forms. And the third is natural, physical, or cosmic time, which is the whole universe of stars, planets, the earth moving around the sun, the earth rotating on its axis, etc. Let's go through these in more, in more detail. Natural time is basically, uh, as I said, the physical time, and it's focused primarily on, on the present only. In other words, it's Natural time is really just uh, the, the line of time um, that's added on to the three spatial dimensions to form the four-dimensional space-time. Um, there's no freedom in block space-time. Everything's fully determined. And um, there's no sense of a past, present, or future. Every moment within block space-time is the same as any other. It's just present. It's just there. It's always now. The second aspect of time that Kojev discusses is biological time. And here he brings in the fact that um, living things have a concept of the past as well as the present. So they live in a world of past and present. Why? Because life itself has a memory of the past. Um, it learns from the past. And this can be very evolved in higher life forms. And, but it also exists in very primitive life forms as well. They can adapt to environmental changes. Animals can be trained, etc., etc. Um, biological life has the ability to change, to learn, and adapt, given memory. And this can lead to evolutionary changes as well. So rather than a dead world with no time, there's some possibility for change here. Um, a new dimension is added, if you will. But it's not yet true freedom, as it is still determined by biological drives and instincts. But it is not dead as, as is present only block space-time. Hence, it is alive or biological. The third notion of time is human or historical time. And now, added into the past and present, we bring in the future. So we have past, present, and future. Thinking, speaking humans have the ability to envision future alternatives and to act on them. And we've talked a lot about this in the various episodes the future is a primacy here to humans. And this is where the concept comes in. By thinking, we can envision different alternatives to what we want the future to be. And of course, freedom enters the stage here, an ability to freely choose from alternative choices. And as they said, Koja believed this is what time essentially is, the historical time of human beings. And he goes into great detail, much more than I'm covering here in his book. He believed that this was true and that he felt that Hegel did not recognize these three levels, did not reconcile them, excuse me. So let's, um, let's dig a little bit deeper into these um, three aspects of time. And um, I'd like to look at them more from a dimensional standpoint, almost a geometric standpoint, which I believe you can, can be a, a good way to, to think about it. Natural time, as we said, is one dimensional. It's the fourth dimension of um, four-dimensional space-time, uh, builds on the three space dimensions and just adds one other dimension. So it forms one block space-time, if you will. Biological time, on the other hand, has now two dimensions. Because there is a different possibility in the present based on adaption, based on learning, um, the, the present is not necessarily you know, um, written in stone. Um, so we now have a perpendicular line to the one timeline representing the possibility of change and adaption within the present coming from the past. Um, previously, in one dimension, the line of time had no possibility for change of altering its course, but now there is a new second dimension of possibility. 
The present can adapt itself based on the past, based on its memory of the past. It's still instinctual, it's important to point out. It's, um, there's not real freedom here, but, but it can be adapted. And this brings us to historical time. And again, as I said, this brings in the future, um, which it can be looked at as a third dimension now, true freedom. So on top of the second dimension of adaptation in the present, we have now various possibilities that we can envision in the future. It's not just our instincts or our drives that are, are driving us to, uh, to adapt. Um, we can actually envision different alternative futures and move in a direction toward them. And that's, that's what freedom is all about. So we may even go against our biological needs. That is what freedom is all about. So th this is now the third dimension of time. Um, it's conceiving a better future and moving toward it. It's interesting, you can look at the three space dimensions and the three time dimensions as being symbolized in the, in the Jewish star, the Star of David, the Mogan David. Um, and the, the um, Star of David is a highly mystical symbol that goes way beyond Judaism. Um, some believes it shows the union of heaven and earth, um, separate but, but, but united. Um, it can also be taken as the union of the three spatial dimensions with the three time dimensions that I've been discussing. P.D. Uspensky, a Russian esotericist in the early 20th century, held such a view. He also developed a similar concept that time has three dimensions, much like space has three dimensions. But it was different than the model I'm proposing. His first dimension of time was the same. That's the one line of space time. His second dimension, however, was like my third. Um, his second dimension was the dimension of all possible actions. His third dimension was different in that it was the actualization of all possibilities simultaneously. So sort of a multiverse um, dimension. Um, however, this, uh, this third dimension of his uh, made his six-dimensional space-time a, uh, a block. Um, there was no movement. It just was all possibilities existing all at one time. So there's no change. So that's very different than what I'm proposing here in terms of the three dimensions of time. Natural time is of the present, one dimension. Biological time is of the past and present, two dimensions. Historical time is of the future, true freedom, three dimensions. And this third dimension is entirely free, not dead, as in Uspensky's model. So let's return to the issue of what uh, the issue Kojev had with Hegel. Uh, to reiterate, Kojev believed that Hegel changed his mind from the phenomenology of spirit to the encyclopedia, where the phenomenology... Um, was all about historical time, and the encyclopedia is about natural time. And he seems to be accusing Hegel of not combining these times into one coherent structure. Um, and he believed, he called it actually Hegel's basic error. Was Hegel guilty of this? I don't believe so. Hegel was very much concerned with historical time, human rationality. And that is what the phenomenology of spirit is all about. The encyclopedia, however, presents Hegel's whole system, if you will. And in my reading, is not contradictory at all to the phenomenology. As we've discussed, it has three sections, logic, nature, and spirit. And it includes whatever concepts are brought up in the ph phenomenology. It's not meant to be a different take on things. Um, so it seems to me that Kojev seems to have more of a definitional quibble here about what, what the meaning of the word time is, but it's not really, in my view, a philosophical or a scientific difference. So I contend that what Kojev is presenting here regarding time is certainly very interesting, and you certainly can build on it, 
And he does take Hegel's work here a bit further, but it, I believe it is incorrect to call Hegel's presentation in the encyclopedia his basic error. So just one more um, area I'd like to jump into here is that uh, regarding the Big Bang and current scientific thinking. And um, it's a commonly held belief that time per se started at the Big Bang. Also, Einstein's general relativity suggests an initial singularity that, it, that um, was there originally and that the whole universe burst forth from, and that's the Big Bang. And ever since the Big Bang became popular in the 20th century, religionists have used this to say this was the creation event. This is when God created the universe. And there's a lot of discussion on that. And some Hegelians can even point to this Big Bang and say this is when mind, geist, logic freely decided to create nature. This is the, the point that it happened. But did natural time actually start there? The answer is no. And I'm going to be covering some um, recent developments in science which speak to this. And it's very important and critical concerning how we view time. Um, as I said, there's a widespread belief that space-time began in the singularity some 13 billion years ago. But this is false. And the reason it's false is that science in the late 1970s, early 80s, discovered something um, that initially preceded the Big Bang, and that's called cosmic inflation. They noticed um, they could take the Big Bang the universe right back to a, you know, a minute or so, and then everything, the laws of physics start to break down. But th there were certain elements in the current universe that they could not explain. There's certain similarities um, in structure of the universe. It's beyond my pay grade, but that, that represented a problem. And cosmic inflation addressed this problem. And basically, it's the notion that um, initially, space itself was empty, but it was loaded with energy. And then it went through, in a split second, an enormous inflation. It, and it, it actually doubled in size. It kept doubling for 80 times in a row. And that's just, a, do the math, that's an unbelievably large inflation. And they, it did it in a fraction of a second. And then it started slowing down, and that's when the Big Bang happened, when the universe popped into existence. And the rest is history. What went before this inflation, no one really knows. There could have been a singularity before that or that the inflation goes back much further. In fact, there's no scientific reason that the inflation even ever needed a beginning. It could always be inflating and still could be inflating. Um, let me quote here from a physicist, um, Gabriel um, Veneziano. He's a theoretical physicist who's um, also known as the father of string theory. From a scientific interview in April of 2014, I quote, The conclusion was inescapable. The hot Big Bang definitely happened, but doesn't extend to go all the way back to an arbitrarily hot and dense state. Instead, the very early universe underwent a period of time where all the energy that would go into matter and radiation present today was instead bound up in the fabric of space itself. That period, known as cosmic inflation, came to an end and gave rise to the very hot Big Bang, but never created an arbitrarily hot, dense state, nor did it create a singularity. What happened prior to inflation, or whether inflation was eternal to the past, is still an open question. But one thing is for certain, the Big Bang is not the beginning of the universe. Cosmologists don't know whether the universe had a beginning. 
The term Big Bang really refers to the beginning of the universe as we know it. That is an expanding universe filled with matter that is cooled and coagulated into galaxies. Cosmic inflation, the process which appears to have been vindicated, occurred before the Big Bang by this definition. The universe during inflation was a deeply alien place, devoid of matter, governed by primeval forces, and thoroughly quantum. So you can always talk about the hypothetical Big Bang that should be there if you use general relativity all the way. But the fact you need to apply quantum mechanics to the theory of general relativity invalidates the arguments that there must have been a singularity. I'm not saying you can prove there was no beginning. This is still something which people have not been able to settle. What went on before inflation, if there was a singularity, if there was a beginning to time, is up in the air. There is a certain amount of fine-tuning needed for inflation, and these initial conditions are really still very materious." End quote. Let me also quote from Ethan Siegel. He's the science writer for Forbes magazine uh, from October of 2019. I quote, There are a lot of people who mean the initial singularity when they say the Big Bang, and to those people I say it's long past due for you to get with the times. The hot Big Bang cannot be extrapolated back to a singularity, but only to the end of the inflationary state that preceded it. We cannot state with any confidence, because there are no signatures or even in principle, what preceded the very end stages of inflation. Was there a singularity? Maybe. But even if so, it doesn't have to do anything with the Big Bang. We do not know where the inflationary state came from, however. It might arise from a pre-existing state that does not have a singularity. It might have existed in its inflationary form forever, or the universe itself might even be cyclical in nature." End quote. And finally, let me quote Alan Guth. He's actually one of the discoverers of cosmic inflation. He said this um, in, a, in a Scientific American quote in 2020. I quote, That is something I've been thinking about, the idea that the universe is actually eternal. It existed at all times, so there's no beginning to explain. End quote. So, science sees three possibilities that preceded cosmic inflation. It might have come from a pre-existing state that had a singularity. It might have existed in its inflationary state forever. Or the universe might even be cyclical in nature. Um, the cyclical nature is what's most appealing to me, and we've talked a lot about this before, and perhaps we can explore this in a future episode. And I think the notion of space existing by itself with just the energy contained to it is seems very much the way Hegel seems to lay out the beginning of nature in his in the encyclopedia, which is which is interesting. So to summarize here. Kojev postulated three interrelated times, nature, biological, and historic. I've shown how these can be viewed as three dimensions of time, present only, past and present, and then future past and present. And I do not believe Hegel's system excludes this possibility, so there is no basic error here on Hegel's part, in my view. And as we pointed out in a previous episode, there's no need for a creation event in Hegelian philosophy. Um, science is agnostic on the issue at present. So, that wraps up this interesting episode. This is Gregory Novak. This is The Cunning of Geist. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Take care.